and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for yet another week. Oh my God, it's so exciting. Christmas is nearly here. Only X number of sleeps still Christmas, depending on when you hear this. Either that or Christmas is a dim and distant memory, uh, which is probably for the best. We have got a great show in store for you this evening. And joining me to host that wonderful show is the fabulous Claire Marie Bailey. Claire, how are you? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. And as always, looking forward to uh, tonight's guest. Uh, as am I. And also with us this evening is the looking particularly ginger this evening, John Whitmore. John, how are you? I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, there's, there's that, that, that lack of enthusiasm was just because of the abuse about the hair. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> I you know. I think. I think it is the lighting. I've said this before. The lighting uh, in this rig when I look at you does make you look a little orange. Um, I maybe... should probably set the colour balance on the camera, <laughs> no. shouldn't I? You'd think orange. I'd know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> orange suits you, dude. Orange suits you. <laughs> Joining the three of us this evening, we are delighted to have another fabulous guest. Um, it's it's been really great actually this year that we've got to talk to a few people who are out there working making a living in photography and this is yet another person doing that um although it's like contradiction in terms of some of the things that he does so this is somebody who somehow manages to make a successful business with photography despite saying that he likes to approach it as an artist which seems like a complete contradiction in terms to me um also somebody who as part of his business will give training and education to people despite from what i've read leaving his own education to go on the long lunch break and just kind of forgetting to go back. I don't know. We'll find out about that. But anyway, it is a real delight to welcome to the show this evening, Craig Fleming. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute delight to have you here. Now, some of our listeners might have read the recent um, In Focus interview you did for Ilford. They've been doing a great series this year. It's been um, fabulous. Mm. You and many other people. I think Rach was on there as well. John, you did one. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, taking any old riffraff. I haven't got the call. I don't understand. Have you been called up there? What's I haven't going got on? the call either. It's weird and broken. Um, for anybody, though, who has not read that, could you start off, please, Craig, by giving us just an overview of what you do? Because it's quite a, a broad spectrum of stuff that you do in terms of your professional work and your personal work. So just briefly, a, a cross-section of the work that you do. Professionally, anything, and then... To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, including anything. photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, my personal work is just separate to that, I think, really. Although, although I use the personal work to try and get the professional work, but nine times out of ten, the, the, the commercial work, the professional work that we're doing is just, it's just not the same. Do you know what I mean? So last week I was, like, shooting products. I was shooting for a tanning brand um and a fast fashion company in manchester as well but but that's nothing like what i do for my own uh, everything i put on my instagram and my website is all really it's all personal work there's the odd bit of professional stuff in there but it yeah. is all personal work so i think that's where that thing comes from about i approach it like an artist because that is the most important work and then the commercial work comes in anyway mm. and like i said i'll do anything because <laughs> as a photographer you have to you can't really turn a lot down especially in the north of england um which i do go on about a lot and perhaps i shouldn't but, but <laughs> i do because <laughs> it is a different place to like working in London. do you do you do weddings do you um, photograph weddings i've done a f i have done I do about three a year um because i work with models 
I will tend to marry footballs, <laughs> which does, <laughs> that is a cliche, but it's true. Um, so I tend to get a few of them kind of weddings every year, but not right. many, like two or three. Um, and if someone books me for a wedding, I always say to them, look, I'll do it, but I will be the grumpiest person in that wedding. <laughs> I, I literally don't care about your wedding. And then people book me anyway. <laughs> so, so, That's a good sales pitch. Yeah. So at least, at least I know they want me there. Um, but yeah, I do do a, I do do a few, but not many, and and I don't shoot them like. I, I'll, there'll be none of that like sort of like organising crowds and stuff. I take an assistant and she does that. She's she's a gobby scouser, so she's perfectly suited <laughs> to that. And I just sort of like shoot from like distance or you know do candid stuff, and mm-hmm. I think they call it documentary style, don't they? Some wedding photographers, which just means they don't <laughs> want to talk to people, which is me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how I like. That's how I like photographing weddings as well. Yeah. It's like, stay away from it. Just just capture yeah. what's going on. Yeah, make that into a marketing point. But yeah. yeah, and I think they I think they do make for better pictures anyway, long term, mm. for, for a wedding. Do you know what I mean? In the long run, then pictures are going to be a lot nicer to see. But yeah, I don't, I don't chase weddings. I've got a wedding website, but I rarely like update it. Or... Have you ever done, so looking at your photography, a lot of it looks studio-based with like a lot of lighting going on. Have you ever done a, a photograph like that at a wedding, like a set piece? Yeah, yeah, I've done, a, I've done that a couple of times now. That's That tends to be, I think that's why people, well, so I think that's why they book me, because like I said, a lot of them right. are models anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And they see the website, they see the link to Vogue Italia and stuff on there and the fashion work. Um, so, yeah, so I do, I do set that up now and again. If there's time, because a lot of weddings, there's just no time, is there? Just, well, I was going to say, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do that at a wedding, isn't it? When, yeah. like, yeah. I don't know, you might have like quarter of an hour, half an hour mm. maximum, I guess, to yeah. to actually take that that shot. But it is a nice thing to add in because that means that's sort of like the banker. Do you know what I mean? That's the shot yeah. that, that they're going to love and they're going to put on the wall, whatever. But like I yeah. said, I, I don't really care if they like them or not. So but it sounds really negative, but I just, yeah, I, I can't get into weddings and I should do because the money's like far better than fashion. Um, mm. especially again up north like fast fashion up north doesn't pay like it does like the proper brands in london so as mentioned right at the beginning you sort of i mean i don't want to use the word dropped out from your education in photography but you did just sort of stroll off and forget to stroll back yeah um so what path was it you followed to actually get into this being a career for you because it's been a career for quite a while for you now and am i correct in yeah. saying that I don't know whether you, I know you certainly did some writing earlier on in your career. I don't know whether that was your core career, whether sort of the journalistic side was what kicked it off and then you led or whether that was just part of it. But how did you get to where you are now? Just blind stubbornness, really. I just carried on doing it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, when I left college, there was not, I didn't have any plan. I wasn't, I'm not that clever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just, I just bumbled along really doing it. I, I went, I did have little jobs now and again, which I had to do just to buy cameras and film. Um, and then it was, I think I've been doing it 20 years now. And I think it came to a point where I just thought, right, I'm going to do this. This is it. Like just, just throw yourself headlong into it. And I'd done it like professionally on and off, semi-professionally. Um, I worked in industrial photographers when I left school. Um, after college, that was after college. Um, 
so yeah yeah just uh it was just blind stubbornness and just carried on doing it throughout do you know what I mean even through the lean years where mm. where like no one even looked at your work but then it but then everything turned to digital so photography kind of had a bit of a boom and then in, in them early days I think that because I was already doing it I was kind of already established do you know when digital happened and then mm. so yeah that was the dark day, days of digital did you have, um, as you were going through this, has there always been, I mean, you mentioned already your passion for portraiture in particular. Had that always, did you always know the kind of pictures that you wanted to take, the kind of fields you wanted to get in? Or is that more a case of as you've gone through the years and you've tried different things? Because you you do product photography, you've done work for um, theatre, well, obviously that's more portraiture, but you've done yeah. all sorts of different stuff. You've done everything that needs doing in the photography world. But has there been a, a goal that you were working towards in your earlier career? I think portrait was just the one thing that stuck. Um, everything else, I, I would do it, and I could do it okay. Like Because I had the grounding in an industrial photographer, and, and there we shot everything. It, that could have been, you could have been photographing a truck. Um, they had contracts to shoot trucks, <laughs> so they had to wait on a motorway bridge. They had to arrange it for a certain time, and then as it came past, they would shoot it. So you would shoot that, you would shoot um, sofas, um, <laughs> bathroom suites. Um, we, had a, we had a contract to shoot Bassett's licorice all sorts. Oh, um, did you, were you paid in Bassett's licorice all sorts? Yeah, I was going to say. I was. <laughs> I was the backhander. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, they, what I didn't know back then was licorice is actually a laxative and I had a really long bus to try it on. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit... Um, that was a bit of a worry, but yeah. So, so you learn that you learn your craft then. But it was always portraits that I came back to, always. No matter what else I was shooting or you know getting paid to shoot, portraits was always the one thing I came mm -hmm. back. So that was that was how I did it. Yeah, and that's and then stuck at it because you stick at it that long, it just becomes ingrained in you, and then then you build up that kind of book, and and that's what you then start getting booked for. So yeah, um. You made the change when digital came in, and it sounds like you were uh, early on in the curve of that, which it sounds like it gave you an advantage versus other people who were slower to adopt or more reticent to adopt. Uh, I think mm. we, we've talked in the past to uh, another professional photographer who his experience was that by facing up to the fact that he needed to embrace it and doing so, it enabled him to suddenly leapfrog past a lot of the old guards that had been there mm. occupying the cherry slots yeah who's going, I, I just don't i don't i can't change don't want to do this yeah. was that your experience as well yeah absolutely yeah i think i was like early 30s when i think i bought a nikon d100 which was it was a dog of a camera it just couldn't it highlights used to blow out on the nose every single time it was awful really when i look back um <laughs> and i'd gone from shooting on an rb67 shooting fuji velvia and stuff like that to a Nikon D100. And I, although I was like, I was very underwhelmed by, by the results, but I knew that was the way where it was going. So that's yeah. just what I kind of pushed. But then, but then I went back into analog because digital just lost its, digi like digital just, I think it's just got no soul really. I don't, I'm not like anti-digital. I, I think it's just horses for courses in photography, like use what you need and, and not, no clients, well, hardly any clients are going to book you to shoot you know, roll film, or especially four, five, or eight, ten, because um, of the cost involved. So I know you have to shoot it, but digital 
about 10 years ago, I was getting really fed up with the digital stuff. I was getting fed up of clients expecting retouching for free and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. which is, still happens today, but I've learned to sort of like so just say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was why I ended up going back to analog as well because the, the digital stuff just... I was just, I look back at it, it was awful. I was like, I was like doing waxy skin. (laughs) (laughs) And I look back and think, people paid for this. So, but yeah. The digital stuff has come an awfully long way, but it sounds to me like the the developments that have come along with it have not, haven't solved the problems that are inherent in there for you. Mm. Um, We're seeing, obviously, there's a lot of people either coming to analog photography for the first time um, and increasingly people who have like yourself who picked up digital whether because it was the most practical and that was the way things were going or maybe that's all they ever knew because they were younger um, but who are now also trying out analog. Do you think that at the base of it there is something fundamental to analog photography that digital just isn't going to get there with? I think it like I've just got medium format digital uh, with a mm. Fuji, which is like the images from it are beautiful. That, I mean, that is, I've had an X Pro 2 and I've had an XH1 Fuji film. And I always said that their files were the most film-like images that I'd ever seen. They, like they were, they were completely different to the Canon stuff. Um, so I think, but I think it is, I think it does have a certain, soul to it it's it's tactile you can feel it you're using it do you know what I mean it's there's something about film that I just love because I because I was a hobbyist I got into this when I was 11 and I used to love film that was all we knew back then obviously I had a Zenith EM and we were shooting print film and stuff like that and you Um, stuck with it despite starting off with a Zenith yeah two Zeniths I had an EM and an 11 (laughs) I'm thinking you're starting a counseling service that people have experienced that I was, I was 11 years old, though. <laughs> you didn't know any better. Yeah. yeah, it didn't last long. Don't worry. Um, so because it's ingrained in me, analog, I think that's why, and it is a hobby. So even though you're trying to do it as a profession, it's still something you love. So I think it's difficult to mix the two. And that's, again, going back to what I said about how I operate like an artist, because I do still shoot what I love. Mm. And I think a lot of professional photographers, after a while, I think they just carry on. They just do the job and that's it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They don't. They never get back to doing photography for the love of it. Whereas I just carried on doing it all, all the way through. But I recognise that digital's like it's here and it's like obviously it's convenient and it's good for clients. But mm. yeah, it is ingrained in me, and I think it, for a lot of people that's why they they are getting into analog now because it does have something about it. So. <laughs> Yeah, as you said, even if even if the thing about it is the um, the feeling, the relationship, the the mechanical nature of things, the tactile nature of things of you as you're shooting with it, that's going to affect you, and therefore that's going to affect the pictures that you mm. take, even if it's not anything tangible, even if no amount of no amount of scanning and scientific analysis is ever going to show that up in a picture. Mm. It's just there, isn't it? Um, so your personal work then. So you started shooting film again. About how long ago was it since you picked up a film camera seriously? Um, I reckon I was. It was a bit of a probably a ten year layoff altogether, maybe a bit less. Um, and I and I bought a, a Nikonos 
five, the Nikonos V, the orange one. I bought it because mm-hmm. it was orange. <laughs> That's the only reason I bought it. Do you know what? I I bought one of those and I really wanted the orange one, but I couldn't find one at a decent yeah. rate. And I ended up getting the green one and it's horrible. Oh, it's yeah. the same camera, but it's horrible because yeah, it's green. It is. It's not the same, is it? So I bought one of them. Never put a roll of film through it, but it. <laughs> and, I, and I loved it. And um, and for ages I thought I'm gonna have to I am gonna have to put a roll of film through. But this was in that that period where I wasn't even sure if you could still get film developed. You know, I'd lost mm. touch from from that kind of from that world. Um, and then what got me back into it was, I think I woke up one night, like probably two a.m., three a.m. Um, you know, when you can't sleep, and I went on eBay and bought a Bronica <laughs> SQM, mm. a, a square six by six thing. And um, woke up the next day and completely, I forgot I'd done it. And it was about 300 <laughs> quid. And, uh, and then it came about three days later and I was like, oh, I did. I did buy one. <laughs> so I then just started using it and got straight back into it as well. Like nothing had ever, like I'd never not had one. Do you know what I mean? And then just fell in love with it again and um, bought uh, Nikon F3. The Bronica didn't last too long, actually. It was the one with the built-in uh, motor drive which messes up a lot. So I ended up selling it and uh, getting an RZ, which I've still got now. So so it's the RZ and the, the Nikon F3, which I'm, I just use all the time now. And but you he, sold all your film equipment from previously then, when you went um, to digital? I'd, I'd kept an RB and sold it about a year before I got back into film again. <laughs> it was just <laughs> in a cupboard and I forgot I'd got it. Um, but I used to struggle with the RB67 because it wasn't, it had a prism finder and, and it, it was an F3.8 lens, I think, the 110 or the some 150 maybe. So it was, it was very awkward to focus. Um, but mm. with the RZ on the waist level finder and the 110, it's just, oh, it's so easy. It's perfect. The viewfinder's bright. It's lovely to use. So. Are you using these exclusively for your personal work and I suppose vice versa? It, are these cameras largely responsible for you being able to find your enthusiasm to keep doing your personal yeah, work? That, yeah, that's, that's how uh, I don't think I, if it wasn't for that, if I hadn't got back into film, I don't think I would have still been doing photography because I'd just lost all interest in it. The commercial work was like boring. It was just, like I said before, soulless. I use that word a lot to describe it. Um, and I didn't feel like that the the digital stuff was like doing I didn't want to. I didn't want to work on a computer. I didn't want to do a shoot for like six hours and then come back and spend three days on the Mac, just making everyone look amazing. Mm. So that's why I did it. Went back to film, and uh, but clients still. There's clients. I get work because of it, but then clients will, might ask, but then they, they're never going to pay for it. I had one yeah. client who asked me because I when I scan, I leave the film rebate on. Um, partly because I love it, but also so I can mm. remember what film I've shot it on because I forget yeah. everything. Um, and I had one client ask me what app it was. <laughs> she said, can you can, can you borrow some of them film boards so we can put them on our images? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yes, it'll cost you £10. Yeah, £10 yeah. a frame. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just not that business savvy. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of your personal aspirations... Um, Fashion, along with the portrait of fashion, seems to have been something that certainly going back a few years, you were being quite drawn towards. I know you didn't work in London, you worked in New York, and obviously in Manchester as well. Um, there's a quite a, a well, I don't know whether it's still the case, but quite a um, thriving fashion scene in Manchester. But just lately, you've said that um, fashion is it, it's starting to lose its appeal a bit for you. Mm. 
what is it about what's changing what's making you bored with it i suppose in manchester it's all fast fashion companies so it's all uh, such as your boohoo misguided people like that um and it is dull. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The campaigns are awful sometimes. Uh, and the, the e-com work, which is, it's, if, if you want it, it's there. It's regular work. But it doesn't pay well. It doesn't, like, pay a decent day rate. It pays less than what, what uh, the hourly rate of the photographer that I started working with back in 1987 was on. Wow. And, the, and, and it, so it's like standards mm. have dropped. It's, it's, mm. it's not just lowered standards of clothing because it's all just shipped in from China. It's basically a market trader's business model put mm. online. Mm-hmm. And people have made, they've become billionaires off it. But, but the, the creatives involved, mm. aren't, they're not getting paid like the decent money. The models get paid well. Mm. But the photographers and the makeup and hair and stuff like that, we're all just like on ridiculously low rates, which they've dictated as well. They never, like people in Manchester, never ask you what your day rate is. So it's like, we pay this or we pay that. Mm. So it's it's a completely different world to what it was even five years ago, you know. So and it's and it is a very shallow industry. Mm. And I'm fifty now. I can't be I can't be asked with it. Mm. You know <laughs> I mean, I'm intolerant to it. So so I think I'm just getting older and grumpier and, and wanting to do my own thing. Do you do you find Craig on two two questions for you actually? Do you find that sort of in in fashion work? Um, now you're back using film again, or if you have any work, do you find that some of them are, they want the work now, so they're less likely to wait for, you know, if you're, if you're, digit- if you're shooting digital, they want to see exactly, you know, straight away what you've produced. Hmm. Are they prepared to wait? Because there'd be obviously a bit of a wait for development and everything with film. Does that come into it? And a friend of mine was saying that, um, and this was more of the, someone that I know, something to do with the, the magazine world. I won't name any of the magazines. Um, but they were sort of saying that it had become very much the world of, again, interns. A lot of photographers mm. were working for free. So there was that, I suppose, on the, um, I don't know, Lord, you know, if you, you can do, do some work for us, but they weren't being paid. And I just wondered, is that true? Or oh, yeah, the that, extent that, of that, you know? That does happen all the time. Um, it tends to happen with, like, the newer brands. Yeah. Um, and and I think brands have become aware of that. They don't do it as much now. Influencers do it a lot. Yeah. Um, they're always like getting in touch and saying, you know, can you shoot? Can you shoot me in whatever in Manchester and that? But that's, and that's never paid. Yeah. Or um, I've had a few, a couple of celebrities and stuff that have, um, people that have kind of asked for free stuff because they are a celebrity, like a Z lister. <laughs> um, but I'll, I won't do them anyway. Um, so yeah, that that definitely does happen. I don't think it's as, it's as bad as it was when digital first came out. Mm. Then it was really bad. Like people saying, "Oh, you did this, you'll be in our magazine," um, but it's it's not as bad as it was. Because I think now people get outed on Twitter like straight away, don't they? Yeah, when that's done true. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know a TV show, a fashion TV show, and they they scouted loads of sort of like makeup artists and stylists, and basically said, "You're not getting paid, but you'll be on this job for like three months," kind of thing. And that was a that was a household name that was doing that. Mm. So yeah, what was the first part of that question? Um, so it was about the world of um, intern, if that that was an issue. And then when you're using film, if you're working for a client, are they happy to have that weight? Um, to well, most, is? most of my clients they won't pay for the film anyway. So yeah. 
Um, it sometimes if it's a particularly good shoot and I've got like a really good model or like an actor or something, I'll take yeah. the film camera anyway and shoot it. Um, and I always like it when um, I'll fire the shutter and they'll be like stood at the mac saying it's not coming through. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it won't. <laughs> Wait a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't come through to that. So, but yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask about was because with the, not just with the fashion work, but with, um, you, you mentioned you've been shooting product photography uh, for the earliest day tanning stuff. A lot of people who engage with photography as a hobby think about how nice it would be to, oh, what if my hobby was my job? And yet when you talk about spending a day taking pictures for a tanning company and stuff like that, I find it hard to think of a way I would get excited about doing that or inspired about doing that. Yeah, um, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, that, that's the question. It's when, when the job relies on you being creatively engaged, for you to do your job well, even if it is the most boring stuff in the world, to a certain extent, to do it well, you have to be, your creative brain has to be engaged. How hard is it to do that when it is something that you just could not care less about do you, do you have like a, a mental pathway to get you into that space is there steps or are you just at a point where it's very i do this i do this i do this that's good enough you know well not that's good enough but yeah that's what you do to get the job done mm. how do you approach it um i think it's just having that um bank of ideas and stuff that you can fall back on so that client thinks that that's creative. Like, for instance, with the tanning stuff, we were sort of like putting a a palm tree shadow across the across the image, the main image. And I was only shooting with two lights, um, but we wanted the shadow. Oh, the, the shadow looked a bit grey, and I was like, well, let's just turn it like green, so it looks nice. And they were like, oh, can we do that? And I was like, yeah. So they just thought like, oh my god, that's amazing! Like, it's made it look green. There's only a gel over the fill there. That's all it was. <laughs> Um, but so you have this thing where you can you have ideas that you can fall back onto, mm -hmm. proven things that you've done before, because most most of them kind of jobs anyway they're not that creative. Do you know what I mean? They are just like they've got they'll send you a mood board which they think's amazing. They've all brainstormed it in a meeting, three meetings. But to mm -hmm. everyone, but to photographers, we've like seen it all before. So it's just a mood board of like nice images. Like they don't mm -hmm. even tie in most of the time. Um, but that particular job was hard because the products as well, they'd not put the labels on with the machine. They'd put them on by hand, so they'd all bubbled up as well. So that one needed retouching and stuff. So that was a particularly difficult... I wanted to kill myself in that job. That was awful. But, yeah, yeah. But like I said, you've got to do them. You can't really turn them down. And because I can do it, I will do it. Um, yeah. But like to... I mean, I can, I'm good at faking enthusiasm. I can pretend like... Except at weddings. Except at weddings, where I won't do it as a matter of... <laughs> Principle. The death of someone's life. is ending that group, full groom. You've been married before, haven't you? No, no. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. And yet so cynical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, given all of that, um, I, I read an interview where... I think, I think it was about five years ago. And at that time the fashion side of things in particular you were very into and um and it seemed to be driving you quite a lot you you saying at that point you you your goal your your kind of dream aim was to to um get and shoot for something like vanity fair yeah mm. uh, and from what you're saying it, it seems like five years further on the the passion in that direction has perhaps 
gone off in a different direction now that you're not feeling strongly towards that. I mean, is that the case for you? A little bit, I think. It's a, it's a lack of opportunities as well, mm. um, which kind of dulls your enthusiasm. But I've gone more down a kind of more... My When I'm looking for people to shoot, I like normal people. Mm. So And I don't like the whole... I found I didn't like that that whole celebrity world anyway. You know, I've shot for OK Magazine and stuff, and that they were all right, actually. They were OK. And, and they were OK. <laughs> <laughs> and the clients were fine. Um, but that whole world is very false and sort mm. of run... It's not as organic as it might look in the in the final images. Do you know what I mean? Does that make mm. sense? So, so, yeah, so I'd rather just do my own stuff. As long as I'm ticking over with, like, commercial work and that, mm. and I can do my own personal work, which... I, like today, we were just shooting in Sheffield. It was just a, a girl that I know that's like particularly odd looking, um, and and so I just went out and shot with her. So so I'm happy doing that now. But mm. like obviously, yeah, if, if something like Vanity Fair came up, you you would never turn that down. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So yeah, on a shoot like Vanity Fair, um, Craig, how much artistic freedom would you have to kind of art direct your own um, your own shoots? Well, I've read, freedom or? I've read Annie Leibovitz's book, you know, the At Work mm, book, mm. And, mm-hmm. and it sounds like she has a little bit, um, yeah. but, but that's because she's a name. So so in that arena, when you get into them, them those big magazines, yeah. the photographers are the celebrities as well. Mm. So I think mm-hmm. they do get a little bit of uh, creative reign. But even, I think the, the worst ones are when you do shoot the sort of <laughs> um, reality show people, because <laughs> they, they think that, you know, they're the hardest people to shoot. Yeah. It's like like when we used to shoot, like years ago, when we used to shoot sort of like glamour models and stuff, they were the most difficult people to deal with because they had this kind of ego and stuff. Whereas when I've shot the bigger named actors for the theatre, they were mm. always like really down to earth and really nice. So, mm. But I do think they, they do get a little bit of creative reign on, on such a vanity fair. But again, you'd be working to a mood board. Yeah. You know, so... It was interesting browsing through your work. So you've got uh, a website which really shows off a lot of mm-hmm. your work very beautifully. Um, it's uh, craigflemingphotography.com, I think, isn't it? It's uh, craigfleming.net, I think. Dot .net. Dot yeah. tiscarly.co.uk. <laughs> yeah, <something like that. laughs> I, I, never, I never looked at it. I put some on there. Well, I love it. It's really nice. And you've got, um, you've got a lot of work on there, mm-hmm. which is great, because uh, it really covers uh, a broad spectrum of what you do. And... One of the things that really leapt out at me was the different. The, I mean, we talked about portraiture in general, uh, but the difference between the portraiture that you do for yourself, your personal work, and then the portraiture for um, the theatre and uh, what looks um, like promotional uh, celebrity mm. work. So um, it's really different. There's a really different energy. Uh, um, there's a much more genuine energy in the stuff you're doing for yourself, where yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a much more zany energy, it feels like, in a lot of the... Um, mm. I mean, is that, again, is this one of these things where when you're working, I suppose when you're working with actors, with um, entertainers, are they always because are they always on? Are they always going to bring an energy, or do you feel like you can get a more genuine connection with them for that kind of picture, or is it not something you're even looking for? Um, it depends what I'm doing. Generally, with the theatre though, it is it is for the promotional for the posters that go outside. Mm. 
so that's art directed. Yeah. yeah. So they're art directed. You know, they have a strong mm-hmm. um, idea of what they want. The the directors generally there um, telling you what they want and stuff like that. Um, so so yeah, that that's why it's different. I think to my personal work, mm. a lot. I don't think many clients would let me just loose doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> especially actors because they're really concerned about their image and yeah you know I like this I'm just looking at one here and and this is one image that I was looking at earlier and I really like it and it's Elise is it my eyesight yes. Elise beat poet I really like that yeah. image oh uh, yeah in the mirror and the mirror yeah, I really yeah. like that shot Craig yeah. that was on a on a RZ with a 6.6 six back yeah um, I love square format anyway I do yeah can't afford a Hasselblad yet so um, so I bought a six six back. I've been looking for one for ages for the RZ, but that was shot in a in a in a a crack den <laughs> in Manchester, which kind of really? passed itself off as a studio. It was a crack den with a pro photo of softbox in it. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's like this big piece of acrylic mirrored vinyl, okay, um, which we just bent and and ripped and scratched and stuff and so she she lent on that but yeah Elise is one of um the people that Elise and Alana that I shot today Mm. she's just one of them people that I just go back to every time because she's like every time I see her she's different um for one shoot last year in a studio she shaved her eyebrows off she just turned up with no no eyebrows lobster hands and a sailor suit (laughs) which which is also on there (laughs) and I just thought this is brilliant so yeah yeah that just shows you the kind of people I do like to shoot, but yeah. Well, that was my you... question for you, actually, was how you were, well, you've explained a bit of how you arrived at the, the final kind of image. And I was going to say to you, um, do you kind of discuss beforehand maybe the outfits or what she she wears? or Because you like working with you, just know, like you said, yeah. she'll turn up and she'll look interesting. Yeah, when it comes to Elise, just if I tried <laughs> to style her, she'd look terrible, but she just yeah. turns up and... Like the look she gets when she, she comes to the studio, <laughs> they must be, you know, when she was walking through Sheffield to my old studio. Then, but yeah, she's uh, she is a character. She's she's got some amazing stories, um, which is yeah. on the uh, behind the lens page. I think there's a couple of stories on there about her mm. that she's told me. But she is an, she is an amazing kind of I hate that word muse, but she is a bit of a muse. Mm. I go back to her mm. all the time, and I want to kind of do a zine or. Um, a photo book just just feature yeah. her because she's a because she is a poet as well so it'd be nice to incorporate some nice, uh, poetry yeah, as well nice collaboration yeah yeah the the other ones that stood, stood out for me I really love the um what's this girl called is it Lucy <laughs> Ali <laughs> sorry for listeners if you go on the website you'll know the one talk. this is I like it this is the Ali she's got looks like she's got a leopard print top on it's it's outside it's color and then she's got like a hair um coming over oh, her face. Oh yeah. yeah. It's sticking her toe. I like that. Yeah. I like uh, that, that one as well. <laughs> well, that's because um whenever I shoot a model in Manchester, their agencies always like email me the day before and say, well, we want we want some images that you know that are gonna sell her, that are gonna look really mm. commercial and, and e-commy. And I I just kick back against that all the time. So when we shot that, I said, That's your agency, please. I, so that was the one I sent to her book. Okay, well, <laughs> which I like obviously it. they never used. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, to make things easier for listeners, I will put the link in because the page mm. there is, yeah, is not actually Craig's website page. It's Vogue Italia, a page Craig has on Yeah, Vogue. on his website. But so I'll similar. put that link in there. John, you were going to ask something or say something. Yeah, so, like if you're going on to, if you're going to a location to 
um, create these portraits. How much are you planning regards what to take? Like you talked about taking any gels along, like that's quite a simple thing to take. But if you're taking any of the props that aren't the the um, the person you're taking the portrait of isn't bringing along, how yeah. much are you planning and what like to what to take with you? Virtually no planning whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Honestly, like honestly, there is very little. Even in the, the studio shoot uh, with Elise, the one with the red hair last time. Yeah. Like when we went into that studio, we didn't know that there'd be a big piece of acrylic there that we could use. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, we're just finding things. We're basically winging it. Because I, what I found is when you plan it, not it doesn't come it doesn't come together it just doesn't work or you know the makeup artist on a different page or whatever or there's always i always think the more you plan the more things can go wrong so has that always been the case though because we this is actually something that i really want to talk to you about and following on from our conversation that we had on the show last week about planning and the importance of planning is this something which you feel confident doing now because of experience would you say i mean if you went back 20 years would you have been able to approach things with the same laissez-faire attitude or would it have been no no 20 years ago you'd, you'd throw everything in the car that you had yeah uh, just to make sure and then <laughs> slowly like as the years go by i've kind of just thought well, I don't, i'm not going to need that or i can <laughs> get by without that uh, there's always a workaround for certain things but like a commercial mm-hmm. shoot i'll still put everything in the car i've got a couple of like you know the big really useful boxes which are just full of like little bits of things mm. that I might need mm. um but very again very rarely do like I tend to shoot really simple like mm. all my portraits and uh generally one light or natural light mm, um yeah. there's there's not often more than I don't think there's ever more than two at, at the most there might be a, a hair light or a rim light yeah something like that um but generally if if I've got a big soft box I'm fine with that. Or a beauty dish. I like a beauty dish. Mm. Uh, yeah. Do you work solo or do you have an assistant for uh, shoots? I've, when I worked, when I did the OK shoots, I had an assistant because it was so, it, the day had to be like, it had to run like clockwork. Mm. So I needed to make sure that I wasn't like messing around with the Mac and stuff like that. And, he, and, and before that, I never, I'd never had an assistant because I always thought they slow you down, you know, you'd, you'd mm. be telling them to do something and they've, they kind of get the wrong end of the stick because I can't explain it right. And so I, I never really used one. But on the OK shoots, the guy, Scott, that I used, he was brilliant. He was absolutely amazing. Mm. But on the personal work, tend not to. Look, sometimes students will say, can I come and like, assist you? And I do let them come on shoots. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't. I don't ask them to do much. I just let them watch and sort of enjoy it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absorb what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Next week, we're, we're doing this thing where, again, following on from last week's conversation, where we're being organized and being and planning, because this is not something that I ever do. And unlike you, I don't have decades of experience, which means I can just go, oh, I'm going to, don't worry, this is all in here. It's like, no, this is just <laughs> it's just me throwing everything at the wall and hoping something sticks. Um, and with some of the planning, so I've, I, I've, I'd like to say I've been making lists and stuff, but even my lists are a horrible mess of going backwards and forwards and stuff. It's just a generally disaster. But the biggest worry that I have at the moment in terms of something that I can't, I can't really plan for and I don't know and I'm struggling with inspiration for is an inspiration for the shoot itself. So my plan is that I'm going to um, 
do a shoot indoors because it's December and at 8 p.m. in the evening, indoors seems like a better plan. It seems less likely to be raining or freezing indoors than it is outside. So indoors. Um, I've got limited space. I have one potential subject. That's my partner. So she's the subject um, because the cats can't be relied upon to sit still. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I choose my partner anyway. Um, And my plan is to just buy a sheet <laughs> and hang that between a couple mm. of tripod poles as a backdrop mm. so i've got a plan for backdrop i've got um a couple of um just cheap umbrella reflectors and a flash to use with that and i've got kind of a floodlight thing i might be able to put behind the sheet so i kind of in terms of the mechanics the logistics of it I'm like, okay i can i planned that and i can get all the prep done for that where I'm struggling and where where I think the hardest part for me would come in would be um, whether it's professionally or for your personal work, especially with portraits, how do you make an interesting portrait? What to you makes for an interesting portrait? Because you, you clearly love it. It's because it's a thing you're doing for yourself. Mm. So what is it about portraits? You're waving the phone at us, Claire. I don't know what you're doing. I'm showing oh, some oh, interesting yeah, portraits. Sorry. That, that's, that's great. It. Terribly unhelpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I'm not, not doing a good job of um, showing them. <laughs> also, yeah, not the best way of showing a portrait. Um, where was I before? I was massively distracted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, like, so what? What is a good portrait to you? And what advice can you give to somebody like me who knows they want to take portraits, has has this setup in mind? Where do I even start to get an idea for making a good, simple portrait? It has to come from the person that you're shooting. That person has to be at least visually interesting or, for Mm. me anyway, do you know what I mean? Um, that, I mean, that said, if, if if a job came in where I had to go and shoot a politician, I think, you, you <laughs> again, there are workarounds. That person might be the dullest person on earth, but you can do things with composition and light, mm. stuff like that, um, which I, you don't have to work as hard with someone who is visually interesting, such as Elise uh, and people yeah. like that. They're just instantly, like, amazing to shoot. So that So they've done the work for me. I get the credit, but they've already done the work. Hmm. so that's how i that's how i approach it anyway that's how i make sure that that work stays interesting it's just by shooting the the fringe kind of people that you know that i call them weirdos and waifs and strays and, and the people that i shoot are quite happy with that outsiders yeah. do you know what i mean they're, they're, yes. just, they're just more there's something about them that's just more you want to when you look at their portrait you want to know a little bit more about them whereas if it's just like a a guy that works for the council in a suit you know it's dull, but you've got, I mean, if it's a, if it's a page job, you've got to make it look interesting. But like I said, that's done. I find I do that with compositions and sometimes you can play with the weirder stuff with them, but a lot of the time they don't want that anyway. So that's how I'd approach it. Mm. Um, and, but again, if people, you know, like when this, they always, that saying about, you know, you, it's your job to make people at ease and to make them comfortable Hmm. Um, and I always think it's not <laughs> if they're not if they're like miserable fine I've shot an actor once and he just did not want to be shoot shot by me he turned away at the last minute he oh, just no. didn't he, we were there to, to launch his um art show as well he was a he was a big theatre actor mm. and he just didn't want to be shot and he turned away <laughs> I was just like fine so I took a picture of the back of his head and gave it, <laughs> gave it to the client and said well if, he, if he's going to turn away 
<laughs> that's the portrait. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't work miracles. Um, but I found that quite an interesting portrait anyway, because it had a, it told, it told mm. you something about that person. Mm. You just didn't yeah, want to be shot. So yeah, no, that's yeah. an interesting take. And it, I mean, I love um, Diane Arbus's work because yeah. of the, the subjects that she she chose, like the fringe people. So yeah. I completely agree with it. And again, coming back to Craig's Craig's website, so um, if you click on his analog portraits. Um, the first image that you'll see now that's to me is a great portrait so we've got a guy he's got quite big glasses on yes I know what you mean Vincent yeah <laughs> what's his name Vincent Vincent yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's an artist from Poland yeah, yeah that's lovely that's yeah. really he's really, like you say he's visually interesting and then if we if we if you if listeners move along I can see what you're saying about I'm really you, I'm driving in a car at the moment because this will be very <laughs> yeah sorry yeah um like you say um I don't know who this, this there's a lady we go a few along and you've got there's a lady with a very interesting face she's side on profile and you've used I think you've, she's by sitting down in front of a window it's about six or seven along uh in the tank top Yes, and that's then there's Elise. another really close. Is that Elise again? Yeah, that's wow. Elise again. Yeah. Ah, now I wouldn't have known that was the same person. Oh, is that it... was that was about twelve months before the red hair. Oh, the red hair. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, she's got a great face. Because the second, if you if listeners are listening, there's two of Elise, <laughs> Elise in her uh, in her tank top. So we've got one sitting down, and then the next one, the close up. That's great. She's got a great face. She has got an amazing face. Yeah, she? no, like, she her has. Her features are like she really, has. really amazing. They all um, work, they just work together. How do you work well. with Elise and how do you find other people like this to work with? Um, I, I will approach people on the street, which is <laughs> freaks people out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's got to the stage now where obviously people sort of, uh, they'll ask me, do you know what mm. I mean? But they'll come to me now, which is cool. Um, but I'm always on Instagram, like looking at artists and poets and musicians and seeing who I can find, look at other photographers and see who they've shot. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the, that's the hardest part of what I do. It's finding the really interesting people to shoot. Mm. She's, they're not, she's not just interesting to look at, like her stories are amazing. Do you know what I mean? That's what I want. I want the personality. Do you think that in general, um, to work with the creative people, other creative people, however they're creative, are a better bet perhaps than people who are almost inherently not creative or not interested in creative things. Um, because, as you said, it, regardless of how they look, almost they're always going to want to going to bring something to it mm. in a way that non-creative people. I would imagine yeah. that would probably go a long way. I mean, I know you said about wanting someone who has a, a, an interesting look, but to a certain extent. I guess if somebody is somebody who's inherently creative, they're going to make themselves look interesting by, by maybe sh shaving off their eyebrows and giving themselves lobster claws, you know, yeah. obviously. Um, but is it mostly creative, other creatives that you tend to find you're working with? Yeah, because they, they allow you a free reign to sort of do mm. what you want to do because they appreciate that. And that's why they've come mm -hmm. to me generally or they've agreed to do something. Um, so because of that, it's that you get that mutual trust whereas when someone comes to you that might like an, like say for instance an influencer yeah they've got an agenda they want to sell something generally the, the, yeah. themselves or the fake eyebrows so, <laughs> yeah. you need some after that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, because there's vanity involved in that 
I I just do not like working with that. Do you know what I mean? I prefer people who don't have, although there are some like really beautiful people on my website, mm. I would much, a lot of them are, are there because they've sort of like done what I've asked. Do you know what I mean? Not, not, not in a, like a bossy way, but like they appreciate the shoot. Like my shoots tend to run very, I'm very, they're very quiet and, you know, quite chilled and calm. Um, and I think that it, they just appreciate that. So as long as like creatives, <clears throat> as long as they get what I'm doing, then that's fine. I think they, they just appreciate what it is and I appreciate what they do. So, You know how you're saying when you approach a commercial sh- shoot, you've got like a bank of ideas that yeah. you can throw into the mix. Do you use that um, approach when you're doing portraits as well? Yeah. Like just to get going, you'd like try out, you tried, yeah. you use your tried and tested set lighting setups and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did a shoot last year and um, I'd done a, a really successful hair shoot for, a, for British Hairdressing Awards previous year. So we used the same team, we used a cool makeup artist, we got two really cool models in. And the shoot just wasn't, it just wasn't working. We didn't, we did, to this day, we laugh about it. Uh, like why did it it was like the car crash of car crash shoot um but towards the end I just knew that in the studio there'd be a like a strip of light that would come through the window I could shoot them on the back of the background uh and I could get nice shots and that was it and that's what saved the day it wasn't what we wanted but at least we got some shots we didn't like walk away from that shoot looking like complete failures but that's the one time where it did look like we weren't going to get anything. The models just weren't playing. Um, it was straight, it was a very very odd shoot. Um, but yeah, there's always that. That's the thing. Like you can fall back on that. I'll know that there's some natural light coming in, or um, you know, or I'll just do a dead straight on kind of really nicely lit portrait, dead simple softbox straight above the camera kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact I'm going to get a good black and white shot off that which is a good fallback sometimes with actors because actors can stiffen up in front of a still camera. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but they, they sometimes can. So you always have that to fall back on. But now, of course, I'm like experimenting with like things in front of the lens and stuff like mm, that. And mm. I don't know if you've, have you seen Jack Davidson's work? His stuff's like beautiful. It's like he it, it shoots, like he can shoot a spoon and make it look amazing. And it's all black and white and it's kind of a bit warped and twisted. Mm. So and he's so he's like a big inspiration. So like so now I'll have I'll have a box of stuff like again, little acrylic mirrors and stuff that I, yeah. Can, yeah. I can shoot a reflection in and twist it or a prism where I can just put a little shaft of light. I think there's another one of Elise on film on, on is, portrait. Is that no, do you know that's incredible because I know exactly without looking which picture you mean. Yeah. Is that Elise again? Yeah, Gosh, that's I, Elise see, again. <laughs> that's another image I thought I really like that. So You're a wow. fan of her, I would have thought already? it was three different people. Yeah, so that's how she changes. <laughs> I think I shot her three times in in like twelve months, and in between she ended up in a alien sex cult in Berlin, and <laughs> came back, and she had red hair. Yeah. yeah, that's a true story. That sex cult, a sex yeah. cult for aliens. Uh, no, they, uh, I think he was trying to fly her off somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Her mom had to come and rescue her. It all sounds pretty legit. I'm sure it's. <laughs> but I know the image you mean, and um, see if I can get it up. And uh, so, was that a prism then? That with that yeah, star of light? Ta- yeah, it's yeah. just a small prism, like about yeah. six inches, um, and that was just. 
that was shot natural light in my old studio. So there was daylight mm. coming through and then the prisms just held up just, just in front of the lens hood. Yeah. So you get that nice refraction. The next one on on the website, if you, you know the split image of the young girl in the balaclava? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yes. just, um, you know, the helix shatterproof ruler? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, the classic. The yeah. Yeah. So that's it's a childhood that classic, that is. It is, isn't it? For twanging, you used to twang them on a desk. Yeah. But, but yeah, I just shot through that and it kind of refracts the light a little bit and gives you that split image. So, yeah, it's lovely. That's, really, that's something you've seen done before, or just the idea trying to occur to you? Just, I, was, I opened my desk one day and saw it, and I thought, and I was like looking through it, thinking, that's, that'd work. Because I know, I know, like, you can put things really quite big things close to your lens, and once you focus out of it, you can't see it anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I've got like some fungus in my uh, Mamiya 110 lens, and it just doesn't affect it, so yeah. I'm not going to get it cleaned. But, but yeah, so I was I'm like, like, around with them. So these tools, are you are you specifically using them on particular subjects to bring out the character that if you say you're interested in people's characters and their stories, are there particular kind of visual effects that you're applying to those stories to enhance like the meaning behind them? Um not so much. I think it's just to kind of I like to kind of fool the viewer sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I hate it when you put something online and people just ask you directly, how did you do that? Yeah. So I kind of like to bamboozle people a little bit. Yeah. The, the shot of the young girl, she that's not that's quite a weird and twisted picture, mm-hmm. but she's the most, like, happy, skippy kind of little girl there is. She, like, she hated the balaclava. <laughs> uh, she, she's into unicorns and goats and things, so <laughs> not, she didn't really enjoy that shoot, but... Uh, I, to be honest, I was only practicing. I was practicing that, but it came out so well. I just thought oh, I'm going to put that in my book. Mm. So yeah, there's a couple of them, isn't there? Like a color one and yeah, yeah. The color one came out a bit green. I, I'm colorblind, so mm. I do struggle with color. But uh, how I think, it, I think it's nice product photography and um, being colorblind. How how do you make that work? Especially through the digital age where correcting and making sure everything is like, how did you have to outsource that? What were you doing? Yeah, I tend to outsource it. Or, or I'll get my assistant in, in on that job then because he can just, you know, we'll shoot with the uh, color matcher at the beginning and then he can just match it all up straight away. So that's when I, I, that's when I do like have an assistant if I need to. Because I, I mean, I don't even want to do that anyway. I don't want to mess around with colors and stuff after. Um, mm. But sometimes it gets outsourced, but not a lot. Most of the time, people want me to do it. People don't want to pay for that, the outsourcing, do they? They want to just get it done quick. Mm. And also as well, like, a lot of things are online now anyway. So back in the day when we were shooting film and every, everything had to be, like, matched perfectly, like, to the sort of, like, Pantone code. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas now I don't think clients are that fussy. They just, they just want to get things online. It's almost content. just want to get it online, get mm-hmm. it, like, generating some hits, and then... Mm move on to the next thing mm. so that, it, it doesn't matter does it because everyone's looking at it on a different device yeah. that like yeah. has a completely different color cast to it anyway exactly, so yeah. what's the point it's rarely going to print is it anymore so mm. you know so and there's a lot of brands like the 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 tanning brand although they are a big brand they're not they're actually quite local to me and they're not, they've not been going long so they don't have that kind of although it, it was all it was all monochrome and it was all black and white their product so it was easy to shoot but uh yeah, I don't, I don't think clients are as fussy, uh, mm. especially at this level, as they used to be. Because like I said, it's not going to print anyway. It's just going online or on mm. Instagram, like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. 
I know you're working at the moment on setting up a dark room at home in your a spider-proof dark room in your garage. Yes, but it's got to be oh, spider-proof. Oh, good plan. <laughs> oh, come on. Spiders add to the joy. It's what makes it special. Um, where, where are your, uh, I say plans, you, you're not somebody who's a fan of plans, but I mean, clearly you must have at least a plan in your head of where you're heading to. What are your plans for your creative output in the next few years? Because it does, it seems very much like you're at a transitional stage in what you're doing. You've been doing these uh, analog portraits in your personal work for several years now. Now there's the dark room. You're also doing a lot of, um, and I think, is it all analog, your nude work as well? Or, uh, yeah, I tend to shoot it on analog. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing that as well, which we haven't touched upon. In fact, you've mm. got a lot of that stuff. And I know you mentioned that you're looking to make prints and probably sell, particularly the boudoir stuff, because let's be real. That's probably. Oh, don't, don't say that word. Don't say boudoir. No, all right. The nude one. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> Is it when, when, I, when I wrote, when I used to work for a professional photographer, they once asked me to do a feature, and it was called Doudois, which was like, was "Oh like, right, no, I'm Ooh. not doing it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doudois. <laughs> yeah, give that guy a raise. Whoever came yeah. up with that term, give yeah. him. It was Adam Scorey. I'll, I'll name drop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, what was that? Before we move on to talk about maybe the nudes. <laughs> Again, listeners on the analog portraits, there's a lovely portrait. This is Amber. It's got a very 60s Bieber feel to it. Um, is that on analog portraits? That's on digital. That is that on digital? Yeah, it must be on the editorial page. God, that's lovely. It's really yeah, nice. Um, that was a, I shot that ages ago. And in lockdown, I, I, I went back to a lot of images and sort of mm. uh, redid them kind of thing and, yeah. and they, they just gave them a new lease of life because I obviously you, your style changes doesn't it with retouching yeah. and I'm not a big retoucher anyway anymore um but I've just sort of like worked out a way of doing stuff that I like I can't even find that image <laughs> must be well, uh, imagine how much color it'll be if you're driving along in a car <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, if, if, if yeah we so anyway getting back to what we were talking about before before yeah, the phone was waved at the screen <laughs> so what what is what is your plan for your creative output where is it going what are you hoping to do with your artistic nudes uh is that the correct term yeah kind of it still sounds a bit i I think i love there's a quote i've read of yours where you uh particularly with um your personal work you feel like a bit using the term artist you feel a bit like an imposter but you at the same time you you work like an artist it's it's a difficult uh, personal needle to thread by the sounds of it for you yeah it is it's a weird it's a weird position to be in, I think, because you do what I've never felt. I've never thought of myself as an artist, never will. Do you know what I mean? But I think a lot of people think that, don't they? A lot of, you know, it's always, it's doubt is always in the people that shouldn't really doubt themselves. That's again, that sounds a little bit arrogant, but it's not. Um, I think going forward, like, I, I always want to get into selling prints. That's what I want to do. Mm. And, I'm getting, and I'm really getting interested in sort of like platinum palladium stuff and uh, alternative processes, which I've always had a little bit of an interest in. Yeah. But never thought I've got the time or the, I need a dark room to, to do it all in properly. Um, Have you ever done any dark room printing before? Yeah, yeah. I used to do loads. Oh. I had a dark right. room when I was a kid. Um, and then when I worked at the industrial photographers, Back in the eighties, I was basically in the dark room for like six months. <laughs> so that sounds so, yeah. like heaven. 
It was six months in a dark room. Yeah. I can't remember what the name of the bad things are in the the Eloy. Never mind, carry on. (laughs) But I used to love it. I used to love going in the dark room and just, you know, just printing all day. It was brilliant. Mm. Um, But again, I do miss it. I do scan my negatives. Mm. um, and And I think you can get quite a lot out of them. But I always remember that, like the back in the day, the, the the best photographers had the best printers, and I think if you're going to get into analog properly, you've got to learn how to print. It's mm. no good just sort of like. Oh, there's so many people these days that are into analog just for the sake of being into analog, so they can say that they are. But unless you've printed, it's one yeah. thing shooting portrait at three twenty, yeah, and it's another thing you know, shooting something knowing that you're going to print it and you're going to print it well. That's mm. a completely different arena. So I, I am keen to get into that. And just, like I said, just for like selling prints and limited editions. But even that, the whole limited edition thing, like I, I feel, again, like an imposter doing that. But I see other people selling stuff and stuff that's like not even, it's not even that good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but people sell stuff. So, yeah. Is this it's going to become a bigger part of your business going forward? It's because clearly there's not the passion for doing weddings and the commercial stuff are you hoping that this will become a bigger chunk of the way you're spending your time i'm hoping so i mean because i because i still love doing it that's the thing you see so i want to i want to shoot stuff and and i'm fed up with instagram and the 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 fact that it's on there fleetingly do you know what Mm. i mean you put so much effort into things yeah and it's on there for like moments and then it's forgotten about I was going to ask you that because um, it's a funny world, Instagram, isn't it? Because I go on there and it's easy to get kind of um, self-doubt. There's so much content on there. And then you look at someone's work, you think, oh, my God. And then this whole followers things, you think, oh, they've got like 50,000 followers. Oh, I've only got this much. And you start, what is it, compare and despair? Yeah. And then I always pull myself back because I think, no, but there's all these like artists and that I really admire and their work's great and they don't have like 10,000 followers and stuff. And they don't post that often because I don't know whether this, um, some people will post every day, they feel yeah. that need. But do you think that feeling that need to constantly post content frequently, even daily for some people, kills creativity? Yeah, because if you don't get the... Uh, interactions that you're looking for mm. you sort of you're down you are yeah and then you're not you're not in a good place to sort of like do you create yeah I, I only got into I got into Instagram quite late um I think I've only got a thousand followers but I've, I've had about four or five different accounts I used to get kicked off it all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah but um was that all your boudoir photos that you were putting yeah, up there? Yeah, my doudoir. Your doudoir. <laughs> your doudoir. Sorry, that was two, two different accounts, that. Yeah, my doudoir self mm. shots. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I forgot completely what I was saying then. Um, but You've yeah, had different accounts on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. It does kill creativity, and it's... Um, it's, not, it's not good for sort of like the younger people coming into it either, because instantly they think they've got to get like 30,000 followers so they can be seen as like influential and it's not the case Mm. I don't really care to be honest how many likes I get it's just uh because it's not even a good gear I think Tyler Shields said that when he produces an image to sell he puts it on Instagram and it and the best sellers are always the ones that got the least likes Mm. but the best sellers in the art world and he's selling like ridiculously priced prints 
to, to art collectors, it's always the ones that get the least attention yeah. on Instagram that yeah. sell for the most money. Mm. So it just shows you that it's not a it's not a discerning crowd, is it really? Yeah. I wonder anyway how it remember MySpace and then it I all kind of that. went. I was and never I, on that. And I wonder if um Instagram one you know a bit that like how we're talking about analog and you've gone back to your darkroom and, and actual darkroom printing because I do wonder with things like Instagram and online our online platforms one day they could just all vanish yeah solar <laughs> um, flare that's what and, we need knocking yeah on. and they all go but our <laughs> negatives and our prints will still be there <laughs> I used to say I, know, like, I wrote a little piece at the last month that basically said talking about the calm after a geomagnetic magnetic storm and how like the world would be completely refreshed oh yeah and we'd be starting from scratch if all the electrical equipment went went down yeah if all how the great it would down, be it'd be brilliant yeah <laughs> <laughs> just go out with me rz <laughs> creatively be fantastic right up until the point where we all started starving to death because yeah. suddenly all the food supplies would have dried up yeah minor inconveniences or i need to do an invoice <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah. <laughs> personally speaking that's not going to affect me in the slightest because i never get that <laughs> um, given that your personal work is increasingly what you're focusing on and what you use to drive your commercial work do you see uh, a potential in the future for those two worlds coming more together that for clients looking at what you're doing personally and going, actually, we don't just want you because you're good and you can do this stuff and we like what you but we actually want you to do it in this style. Are you starting to see that coming through at all? Yeah. And I think that's always in the back of your mind, isn't it? But, but when you, you've got to do your own thing because as a photographer, if you, if you're shooting stuff to try and get work, you're just never going to put your heart into it yeah. at all. So you've always got to shoot your own stuff, even if it's not getting any interaction, any likes on Instagram or whatever. Mm. You've got to stay true to it, and eventually I think people just come round to it. And, and it's, that's, that's like Jack Davison's work. When you look at it, you wouldn't think, like 10 years ago, you wouldn't have seen it in Vogue, but now you do. And it's yeah. just styles are changing, and I think uh, art buyers are looking for more organic stuff and less fake uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's hard sometimes trying to stay true to yourself. I think as far as possible, you said you should say stay true to yourself and shoot what is really you, even if, like you say, it doesn't seem to be generating mm. any interest or any likes and not to get overly swayed, I think, by what other people are doing. Yeah. And I was just I thinking, will. you're from Sheffield, aren't you? Yeah. That's. Um, I was thinking of the band Pulp from Sheffield, aren't they? Yeah. Jarvis, yeah. and isn't that what happened to them? He was saying they they were they had pulp for over ten years, and he, mm. they, like, it was like they were saying no one was showing any interest. Yeah, and then it's suddenly, I don't know, things must have all collided into place, and what they were doing was just, just recognised. Yeah, just seemed to be the Zeke at that moment, and yeah. then then it all was it come. was it him that said it? It took him ten years to be an overnight success, or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm. um, and I think mm. that's the case for a lot of people, isn't it? Mm. You know, did when they become the forefront of like the yeah. media no one sees mm. the hard work that they've put in or mm. stuff like that i think like personally i think there's 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 kind of a lot of luck in in playing that because i'm sure there are thousands of people that do what they do but the work they produce is never in fashion at mm. the right time yeah. and you quite often you see it after people have died their work becomes fashionable yeah you know unfortunately um so i think there's a bit of luck involved like you can keep doing what you do oh, yeah. But if you're alive and you're 
creating your best work during that period that's when it hits isn't it yeah, and you can really yeah. make the most of it i think it's i think it's 90 percent look i think the rest of it's just hard work and just just keeping going if you quit then you, it's not going to happen is it yeah so it's just that thing of like keeping going and that eventually i mean i i don't view success based on who's paying you like who your client list is success for me is just being able to get up in the morning and do what i want yeah and i that, that's mm-hmm. how I've and I've got older and that's how I've like dealt mm-hmm. with everything. Do you know what I mean? I just think, well, mm-hmm. this is fine. I can do what I want. I can go fishing and take the dog out or I can just go and do a shoot. So yeah, that's how I view it. That does seem like a pretty good plan for life. We should probably yeah. start thinking about wrapping up now, but I wanted to ask you, as I mentioned earlier, I read an interview from you back in um twenty fifteen where at that point the kind of the pinnacle if you could in twenty fifteen look for go what I would really want to achieve and and be a success would be to shoot for Vanity Fair in 2020 when you look at that when you think what when you look at think what is my ideal dream like if I'm doing that that success what does that look like to you now um I think that would be seen as success on the I think other people would view that as a success mm. you know what I mean but whereas yeah. I'm like I said I just think successful is just being able to get up and do what you want yeah um I've, I've i've not lost any drive or any passion for it i've just um or even it's not even like i've become more realistic in like what i'm aiming for it's just that i'm happier doing what i'm doing now and i think back then i was i was shooting stuff to please other people to try and get work and it and it doesn't it doesn't fulfill you and i think that's why at that point i was probably reading vanity fair and thinking oh this would be cool to shoot vanity fair but probably a month after that it might have been a different. It might have been improve your course fishing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you should be shooting for definitely. I, I've, I've worked for them. I used to write for them. <laughs> Only the little venue files. That's all I used to do. I used to like take them to little uh, ponds and write, do a write up and stuff. So boring. <laughs> Edit that out. The pond. It sounds fascinating. <laughs> it is um, to a fisherman. Yeah. No. I. I. I believe you kind of believe you <laughs> I, I do i kind of believe you um god I've completely lost the thread. did the idea of pond reviews has just thrown me completely for I'll a loop some of my old work <laughs> <laughs> do you think you mentioned about i remember where i was going now you mentioned about um perhaps doing a a longer form project with somebody like elisa so now, do you think we might see you um publishing some of your work at some point is that something that's in the cards yeah Definitely. That's the that is the ultimate aim now. It's to get the the personal work printed, published, or whatever. Yeah. Um, because Instagram doesn't fulfil it for me anymore. It's like it's not not enough. It's not that not enough people are seeing it, but I always think it's got to be unless it's printed and people are buying it. I don't think it's uh, that's that's the ultimate. So that goes back to your other question as well, like how things change. It's just, I think it's just getting the personal work seen rather than. Because even if you were shoot, say if you were shooting for Vanity Fair, people aren't looking at it because I've shot it. They're looking at it because it's some A-lister or whatever. But they're, they're, they're not interested in the photographer as a rule. So, yeah, I think ultimately getting, uh, especially the uh, Elise, the stuff I do with Elise, yeah, mm. that'd be really nice. I, I, originally, I just thought, well, I'll do a, a zine or I like the idea of a, um, a box of prints, you know, that people can hold. Because mm-hmm. I, I like everyone does zines, but I always think a, a print is so much nicer. You can do what you want with it. You mm-hmm. can put like ten or twelve in a box, 
all archival stuff, all printed properly, like on proper paper and stuff mm. like that. So I think that would be something I'd be more inclined to do, uh, just so it's a little bit different. Because like I said, you go on Twitter, everyone's done a zine, and it's like, what is it? Well, it's just my dog. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> my dog would do it. He'd love it. I've got some amazing pictures of him. So. <laughs> there you go. It might actually be a zine of your dog. <laughs> <laughs> we something you can all look forward to. Um, last question from me then. I'm sure John and Claire will want to ask about. But um, you've been in the industry making a living as a working jobbing photographer for over 20 years now. If there are people out there listening who uh, are thinking that this is their career, they would like to make them move into a career, um, what advice would you give them at this point? Don't. <laughs> 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 yeah, learn to cut hair, learn plastering <laughs> or something. No, no, I wouldn't actually. Um, I think just shoot what you find something that you really love that you can get up every day and shoot because mm. even throughout them darker times where people aren't paying you to do it, as long as you can still get up and do it, then that's all that matters because eventually it will find its place. Do you know what I mean? It, that's yeah. what I feel like my work at the minute is that's what's happening with it. I've got rid of the sort of creative teams that I used to work with. Not got rid of them, but I just, I'm happier now working on my own and kind of mm. doing my own stuff. And it's, a lot of the time I'm winging it, but it does have that same style, the style of winging it, <laughs> running through it. And, I, and I'm just happy doing that. So as long as you find something that you're happy with. But if I had, if I had my time again, um, I would have gone... To, straight from school I would have gone to London and I would have assisted I wouldn't have messed around in college or yeah. any of that I would have just gone to London assisted learned the business as well as learning the photography because that's more important even though that has changed the business of photography now is completely different but it's still relevant you still have to go and learn it so I think like I, my question is a bit of a follow-up to that is like uh, from what I see, a lot of kind of younger photographers are they're doing a lot of work for free, mm. and they're they're good photographers because they've got technology on their side. So a lot of the technical elements are possibly in the background compared to where they used to be, um, but they're producing great image. But, but it's all for free, mm. and they're doing it because it's getting the work, and then it gets in their portfolio. But the problem is the next step is then they want to be paid for it. But all that's happening is the clients are then getting the newbies coming in. Yeah. They're doing it for free. Yeah. So, like, how as an industry, how would how do how does the industry combat that and start to get people paying for photography again? It's that question of like, do they value it? Do they actually value? Do you ever value anything that you've got for free? I don't think you do, do you? Really? Mm. So the clients that are asking for freebies are they the kind of clients that really don't? Should we even care? Should we pay any mind at all? No, just... like I think I think if you're being paid for your work, then no, it's it's very easy to go. I, I don't care about somebody who's not paying. Yeah. But for people that are learning and trying to get experience and should like should be paid, it's very tempting for them to do that work. Oh, yeah. And they do care. They do care about it. But realistically, they should still be paid for it. I think. Absolutely. And it's like how how. But that mentality isn't there, is it? Like images, no. are, are fr people see images as free. A lot yeah. of photography is free yeah. these days. Yeah, the mentality is not there. And I think that's where analog can come in because it, I, it 
help people see it that it and it costs money and i always if people mm-hmm. ask me about it i'll say every time i press this shutter it's going to cost this much yeah. and they're shocked by it do you know what i mean and that's before i've yeah. even made any profit on it the actual cost of me pressing this rz shutter yeah. is probably like two pounds fifty every single time mm. so so you can try and do it that way but every every everything's different isn't it every client's different mm-hmm. um I don't know what the answer is. To be fair, I, I just think it's going to run its course, and maybe something else, something else will happen where kids want to do something else because everyone wants to be a photographer or a makeup artist, or and it's and it's happening in makeup as well. Do you know, all my makeup artist friends, they're the same. They're like, you know, they'll get an assistant who's done two jobs with them, and then the next thing, they're gunning for the client. So mm-hmm. it's 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 in all that that creative industry, yeah. right? So it's a sad thing, but like, it's it's going to happen. I think for a while, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how to combat it. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. I was just in, interested in your views because yeah, it's just it seems to be a fundamental problem with what's happening at the moment in the mm. industry, and it's, I think it like that in itself is damaging creativity. Oh yeah, it used yeah. to bother me. It used to really bother me. You know, if someone. Uh, came in and, and took a, I've had people, I've had regular clients that all of a sudden have dropped me and they're, they're using someone else who's like free or half the price. And it's annoying, mm-hmm. but then you just think, well, clearly that client doesn't value photography anyway. If they're, if they're all they're bothered about is what they're paying out, yeah. then, but I mean, it's not great for, it's not a great business model. You've got to keep your clients. Um, but it's Hence, go back to doing what you love and creating something that's yours. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I want to. I do want to go down this sort of like art market and you know mm-hmm. selling prints. That's ultimately the goal now. So because yeah. so you're not dealing with any of that nonsense as well. Because it, it it just drives you mad and it like sucks the soul out of you eventually. You know when you're continually trying to sort of like woo new clients and they're saying, "Well, so and so's doing it for this much. Can you do it for that?" But if someone's paid you fifty quid to do a job, they're never going to pay you five hundred quid to do that same job a week later. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's. I think the colleges have got to educate people, and um, we can only do so much online on Twitter and stuff without appearing like you're. Oh, you're just a grumpy old man, which yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want people to know that. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> I think, like it's that whole. Uh, it's horrible to say. I told you so, but it's going to bite them in, in the ass, isn't it? Because yeah. when they come to want to be paid a, a living wage. They won't get it. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's the same with, and I, I noticed this like 10 years ago, pay, like travel expenses uh, and parking expenses, that went out of the window. So if you feel mm. like driving 80 miles to a job and it's costing you, like in Manchester last week, it was costing me 32 quid a day to park. Oh, wow. And it was a three-day job. So, and that's, and I was like, I, 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 the client are paying this, aren't they? And she was like, no, they're not. So, and that's just given. It's just a given now. No, they're not paying it. Well, they should be paying it, but like no one's fighting them and no one dare, because there's that, there's that much competition for the jobs. Mm. No one dare question the client for fear of not getting asked back. Yeah. Which is a sad thing in a way, isn't it? Because you deserve to be paid. If you're driving there and paying for parking, that yeah. you deserve yeah. to be reimbursed for that. So, but it's yeah. happening all the time. 
everybody ends up losing out, don't they? It yeah, drives absolutely. Down, down yeah. The prices. And I mean, you can be busy all the time if you're working for free or for close to free, but all that yeah. means is you're running yourself into the ground. You have no time to do your own personal work and build stuff up or improve for the future. And mm. just, yeah, it burns out. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, Claire, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? No, but I'm, I'd be really interested to see what you do in your darkroom and with your printing <laughs> and, and techniques you do because I like the... I like how you work and I like, you know, your prisms and putting things in front of your lens. So I can imagine what you do with all the dodging and the burning and things yeah. over, you know. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't a great printer back in the day, but I mm. didn't really understand it. And I think if, if there's one positive thing from from digital, it's I think you learn uh, you learn what to do with an image. Digital yeah. digital uh, when I first did it, I went like I went mental with stuff, you know, like doing everything I could oh yeah and then when I went back to film then the digital I, I tried to make the digital look like film so I was doing less and less and less but I, I just knew the basics of like getting a, a nice print and stuff like that I'm quite interested in you know the solarization technique I think you, yes do you, John mm -hmm. you'll know this you, do you pre-flash the paper or something uh, you don't have to pre-flash for solarization you uh, develop it and then you turn the lights on during the development right. yeah and then you carry on developing it in the dark oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite like, a tricky thing to do. I've seen yeah. some incredible images with it, but yeah, yeah, and I think it would suit some of your images really well. Yeah, is it power um, reversed with it? I think he does a lot of that, doesn't he? And it's it's yes. does he do it digitally yeah. or does he do it analog? I think he's analog, isn't he? Oh, I, don't, I, I think don't he's large know. format analog. Must, yeah. yeah, so I think if you if that's something you want to do, if you like feed back that into when you're taking your images. So you're thinking of how the lighting's working and then how that's going to be solarized. Yeah, I think that would work really well. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a feedback loop, isn't it? It's like you were saying, it's like when you start learning that process and getting more into it, that will come back into your photography as well. Yeah. You know, and you're yeah. constantly learning and iterating through it all. So. Yeah, because you never really master anything, do you, in photography? Mm. You're always no. just trying new stuff. And But the darkroom is just such a great place, isn't it, to, like, you can start, you know, the control you can have over a print and then how you can build it and build it. And I don't yeah. know. And, and I think every time you'd go back in a darkroom, you'd, you'd print it differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that that's where, like you say, you really are getting a one-off, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think even if you wrote, you know, even if you write everything, all the settings, all the the, the, the the timings and everything, you probably couldn't go and replicate exactly yeah. the same. I can't even get it the same in digital. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do a shoot and every shot looks I'm a, I'm a Control I'm a, C, Control V. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alternative processes as well. Um, yeah, and I, I love, I don't know, do you, I love Ellen Rogers' work. I don't know oh, if I've you like her. I've not seen that. I'll have a look um, at that. It's darkroom based. Um, it's quite gothic and then she yeah. hand colours it all. Yeah. Um, it's been in quite a few. You, you, you probably recognise it when you see it. Yeah, I probably um, but yeah, there's a lot of you know darkroom based work around. That's is she, is she on Instagram as well? I'll have a look on that. Yeah, she is, and and Twitter if you're on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Ellen Rogers. Yeah, really nice work. Cool. I'll have a look. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yeah, no, it's no been... problem. Before we get out of here, I just want to talk quickly, let our listeners know. So as I said, we last week we talked about the fact that we were going to have this one-hour photo shoot and that we were going to plan for it um, so we get the most out of it. Um, Claire, how's your planning going? Mm, I haven't begun it yet. Oh, my God. You were the one who was going, I have nothing <laughs> I know, to do. but I, I yeah. Actually, I've no, got, I like, pages. It, actually, no, I did, I did, actually, I did think about it the other day, yeah. 
And rather than doing Polaroid, I decided that I was going to do uh, 35 mil. 35 mil. Well, that's good. I, I have started planning mine. So they've got pages and pages of planning. We'll see if it makes any difference. Uh, John, you weren't here, but I know that you heard, so there's no excuses. How's no your way. planning going? Uh, I've had a few ideas, and the idea that's sticking with me is the least likely to happen because it involves going into the local woods, which is going to be a tricky thing to do, isn't it? In an hour at 8 o'clock at night, I'm going to have to quickly run through the house, jump in the car, go to the woods, take this photo, then get back in an hour. See, see, this is, but it's it's like it's stuck in my head now. This is the problem. I'm starting to picture the image, and it involves two flash, like like two strobes. I might even shoot it large format. I'm in my pajamas. You know, it's going to be a really difficult thing to do in an hour. But I can just see it, and I, I want to make it happen. You're doing a self portrait in your pajamas. Yeah. What if it's great? The <laughs> then I'll just have to still do it. Okay, I'll, I'll well, take an umbrella over the camera or something and just get wet. But okay. like, it's it's in my head. It's gonna, okay. I need it to happen well, now. Fine. Well, you you do all the planning necessary to make sure that you have all of these contingencies covered. Yeah, nightmare, I think, Craig. Um, but what we want to do, so our plan and the theme of planning is that we would love for anybody who's listened to this, who wants to join us for this, I'm sure, highly successful thing. So we are planning on doing this about eight o'clock next Thursday. Uh, So if you fancy joining us, we're going to get on Google Meet and we will all get together and we will kick all this off and then we'll go off and do our thing for an hour and then come back and meet at the end. So if you feel like joining us, if you want to get a plan and join in the one hour photo shoot along with us, um, then drop us an email at sunny16podcast.gmail.com with the uh, subject line um, one-hour photo shoot. And then on Thursday, when we're getting organized, I will send the room codes out to everybody who wants to join us. You can all join in, and um, we can all have a quick chat before we do and we'll record a short intro for the podcast. And uh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Is that Thursday the 17th? Just yes. to check. Thursday yeah. the 17th. It's all going to be, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh dear. Sounds chaotic. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've, we've only just started mucking around with this stuff. So we're like, well, let's up the ante now by bringing <laughs> as many people in this world to join us. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be fine, Craig. Don't worry. It will. It'll... It will. Um, well, listeners, thank you so much for being with us. Craig, thank you again so much. Where are you on Instagram, Twitter, and of course your website? uh instagram craig fleming 2020 and my website's craigfleming.net i can't remember what my twitter is <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be on my website it'll be linked on there i'm sure yes and i'll make sure that the um links are in the show notes obviously do go and check out uh craig's website it's fantastic it's got all the work we've talked about this evening mm-hmm. um uh, all displayed beautifully on there is that something you've got sorted out and on top of this year craig uh it's an ongoing thing i've always like kept that quiet that's that one organized piece of me i think my website uh but i'm not that organized obviously but the website yeah it's, it just keeps keep putting a bit more on and then taking yeah. a few off so yeah i've always kept on top of it that alone makes you an anomaly amongst photographers <laughs> on top of your website. um claire john have you got anything you need to let our listeners know about this week no um oh i will just let people know that every day this month i'm doing a live stream uh, on my youtube channel which is the dark shed uh just 
short. They're generally between about 10 minutes and 30 minutes of just doing little darkroom printing demos. So yeah, come and say hello. Yeah. The, was it called the 24 days of Christmas of 12 prints of Christmas? I can't remember. What's the snappy name? Print. Printmas Advent Calendar. How did I? How did I get it wrong? John's Christmas Doudoir is what. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe by Christmas Day, that's what will happen. <laughs> when you see that print coming to life in the tray, you'll be quite scared. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again, listeners, for joining us. We will play you out as always with Rachel's fabulous band Roja, uh, whose music you can find on Amazon, Spotify, Bandcamp, everywhere good music can be found. And we will be back again soon. Oh, actually, before I forget, uh, Claire's um, latest on film is oh, out now. Yeah. So go and check that out and hear about Rosemary's Baby. Uh, at, and um, who's that you're talking to on that one, Claire? Lisa Tobos. Lisa Tobos. So go on, listen to that. That's on Sunday 16% now. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.